0: Life Audio.
1: about yourself and about life when you do hard things. That's why I believe it is important from time to time to self-impose some difficulties, some hard things, so that you know how to respond when they're imposed upon you. We've talked about this all the time on this show or often on this show, uh, that so much of what comes into our lives we did not anticipate, we didn't see coming. And so we need to impose some difficulty, impose some trials so that we can learn how to navigate those other things that are unforeseen. This last weekend, I did just that. I just came back. In fact, I got back last night from running the Rocky Raccoon Hoka 100 mile race in uh, in Texas. Great experience. I'm still feeling it, but I learned a lot of lessons and I wanted to share those with you today and we're going to jump into that in just a minute. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me and looking forward to uh, this uh, conversation. This is definitely an unscripted conversation. I'm going to be reflecting on the weekend and uh, drawing some applications, some things I learned over the weekend that I hope will be a help to you. But before we jump into that, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do that right now. We're going to get into the conversation in just a second, but you need to subscribe so that you know when other episodes of this show come online. So please do that. Go ahead and share the content out. And then for everything else, you can find uh, my YouTube channel. You can find my social media handles for all of the social media platforms. You can find my blog, everything, at Jeremy jeremystalnecker.com, jeremystalnecker.com. And uh, that would be a great place for you to go. This weekend, this last weekend, I ran the uh, 100-mile it's called Rocky Raccoon. It's a funny name if you're not uh, familiar with these trail races. But uh, the Rocky Raccoon, 100 miler in Huntsville, Texas, Huntsville State Park. It's sponsored by Hoka, which is, uh, of course, a big uh, tennis shoe brand. And, and they sponsor a lot of uh, ultramarathon events and trail running events. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard me talk about running because I probably talk about it too much. <laughs> too much. Uh, you talk about what you're into. You talk about what you're doing. And over the last couple of years, I have uh, made an effort to do some more difficult race events. I'm not a a racer in my past. I have run um, since I was a little kid. I started running when I was, I think, in fourth or fifth grade, ran uh, elementary school track meets, and then ran even through junior high and high school because of sports and all the other things that I was involved in. And then going into college, preparing for the Marine Corps. I've I've always been a runner uh, back in probably, let me think. 2000, year 2000, so a long time ago now. But in the year 2000, I was on a deployment. I was an infantry officer, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, and uh, we were deployed to Okinawa, Japan. Um, It was a great deployment, a lot of ups and downs. I I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. uh, It was an interesting time, of course. And uh, during that deployment, though, uh, we put together, the battalion put together a race it was a four-man teams, and we raced 27 miles. And over the course of that 27 miles, there were several obstacles that you had to uh, deal with. And it was a, a really neat event, I think, back to that. <clears throat> but that 27 miles, that was the most I had ever run up to that point. And until about three years ago, the more, most I had, had run since. So uh, I, I'm very much a recreational runner. But as I've gotten into my uh, mid-40s, I, I've, I've always envied Ultra marathoners, I've always envied people who go out and run uh, 50 kilometers. It's 31 point something miles, 32 miles, Um, 100 kilometers, 62 miles, uh, 50 milers. You hear about these incredible distances uh, all the way up to 100 miles. And now there are races that are even more than 100 miles. And I've always enjoyed kind of following along and watching from the outside. But as I got into my mid 40s, I thought, you know what, if I'm ever going to do a race like that, I need to do it now. I'm not sure physically I'll be able to continue to do this, so let me do it now. So I started training for a 50K and uh, ran my first 50K and then thought I can do better than that and ran my second 50K a month later. Um, and That was, it was great. It was a great experience, a lot of work, and then I ran a couple of other races leading up to Saturday when I ran the 100-mile race there in Huntsville, Texas. I signed up for it a long time ago, obviously. Uh, but I wanted to run that distance for a lot of reasons. One is because um, if you are running ultramarathons, that distance more than 26.2 miles is ultramarathons. Uh, a 100 miler, that has to be on a list somewhere. You have to do that. It's kind of one of those things, right? So I wanted to do it for that reason. Uh, but the other reason, and, and honestly more important to me, was uh, doing it to, I guess, prove to myself that I could do it, that I could get through it that I could go from one end to the other. For those of you that are not ultra runners, um, I I know that a good time a 100-mile distance is 24 hours. I didn't know if I could hit 24 hours. I was hoping to get between 20 and 24. I ended up finishing right at 25, just over the 25-hour uh, mark. <clears throat> so you're out there for a long time. It's a long distance, obviously. There's a lot going on. And it becomes uh, pretty quickly a... A race of the mind, as much as it is a race of the body. You train, and I did. Um, I trained as much as I could, and, and and tried to learn everything that I could to train well. But when you're going that distance and going for that long, it really becomes, at least it did for me, uh, about the mental, about continuing to put one foot in front of the other, continuing to move forward, continuing, 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 just. Don't stop. And if you don't stop, eventually you will get to the finish line. Of course, it feels like you're never going to get there, but eventually you will. And that's exactly what happened. I I went out faster than I should have, which meant I was hurting for most of the race. And it came down to just literally putting one foot in front of the other all day and then all night. And then as the sun was coming up the next morning, Coming across the finish line, Uh, my family and friends who had been there literally all night making sure I had what I needed. Uh, I'd see them a couple minutes at a time every few hours. They made sure I had what I needed. They were there all night long. They met me at the finish line, and it was great to finish. As I sit here now, I'm still trying to deal with the recovery part of that, and that's going to take a while, but that's just part of the thing. Uh, But in all of that, there are so many lessons to be learned, and uh, I love... uh, involving myself in events and opportunities to learn to grow personally uh, but also to extract some lessons that I can share with others and that uh, really is very very important to me and so I do that even as I'm out running and even as I'm out struggling and even as as I'm as I'm hurting trying to figure out if I'm going to finish uh, also trying to extract the lessons and there were some great lessons this weekend for me um This is the March or Die show, and there was one point, we had some friends out there, and they were doing a little video recording, uh, which you'll be able to find on YouTube here in the next couple weeks, but um, he he said, you need to say March or Die, and I think I said, uh, telling everyone to march or die uh, puts you in a really bad spot when you're out here thinking you're just going to die, right? And uh, I know there's a, a, we talk about this a lot, a spiritual aspect and a mental and emotional relational aspect, all of that. Uh, but there was a physical aspect at that moment and certainly uh, the mental or psychological aspect but march or die what does that principle mean like like you strip everything away what does it mean when we talk about march or die what are we talking about well we're talking about the reality that there are very difficult things that will come into your life and often when they do they're not going to be over quickly I think this is one thing that causes more people to bail on uh, their life situation than probably anything else. You look at what's happening. You know, intellectually at least, that if you pursued or if you persevered, if you kept going, you would get to the other side of it, but it seems so far away. You can't see exactly when that would happen, and all you want to do is quit. Principally, this idea of march or die is is understanding That to just quit, to give up, even to kick it into neutral and just get by, is death. Why is it death? It's death because you're not making progress anymore. You may be uh, sustaining some modicum, some modicum of life, but you're not making progress anymore. That's death. Death. To march doesn't mean you know exactly when it's going to end, when it's going to be over, when the pain will go away, when the relationship will come back together, when the finances will turn around, uh, when, when things will get better with your family. That's not what march is all about. Marching is about continuing to put one foot in front of the other because you refuse to stay where you are and die.
0: What impacts you every day?
1: I mean, a flood of lessons, even thinking back to the real illustration of uh, running for 24 hours from Saturday morning into Sunday morning, this last weekend. There were um, just under 400 runners that signed up for this race, just under, just under 400. Uh, there were um, 142, I think I looked at the number, 142 that, that didn't finish. For one reason or another, they didn't finish. And there are a lot of reasons. There are people who just say, I don't want to do this. This is silly. They hurt themselves. Uh, They get sick. A lot of of reasons. Um, So 400 start, 142 don't finish. The rest of the field finishes, and they finish all at different times. It took me 25 hours. The guy who finished first, the first place finisher, (laughs) completed the course in less than 14 hours. Which is crazy, right? So he, he finished in, um, I'm not good at math, 11 hours faster than, I'd, <laughs> faster than I did. 11 hours. We're not on the same path. We're not running the same uh, same speed. We're not trying to get done at the same time. But there are a lot of people running. And if we're not careful, it can become difficult when we watch other people move faster than us or some people who just decide to pull out. They're not going to go forward anymore and they're able to sit down and rest. It can become difficult when we see things happening around us and we feel like although we're making progress, it's very, very slow and very, very painful. This race was 100 miles total, but it was broken up into five 20 mile loops and loop is very generous. It was through a national or a state uh, state park, um, a lot of forest. And so they weren't loops exactly. They were connecting trails, but 20 miles at a time, five times. So you went around the same distance over the same ground to the same aid stations that were there to provide food and water uh, to the start and finish line. You did that five times. So there was a lot of opportunity to see people finishing to see people quitting to see opportunity for you to just say the car is right there i'm going to stop but somewhere inside of you there has to be deep down uh, a, a understanding an understanding that finishing at some point <laughs> continuing is more important uh, than just about anything else during the race you must keep moving Um, it got dark pretty quick and uh, man it didn't seem quick but I spent a lot of hours in the dark started at 6 a.m and the first hour or so it was dark the sun was coming up Uh, then it got dark again around 6 p.m I guess and stayed dark until the next morning when the sun came up and I was finishing uh, around seven. And when you're in the dark, man, it, it just seems so overwhelming. And I know that there are a lot of people who, they live in the dark. Uh, a lot of people who, because of life circumstance, because of situations, because of difficulties, because of finances, because of relationships, because of whatever's happening in their life, it feels very, very dark, And if you're on a trail in the middle of the night by yourself, in the dark, you begin to feel very alone. One of the important lessons to keep in mind when you're struggling with the darkness, when you're struggling with uh, that, that alone feeling, that I could quit and no one would care feeling, one of the realities you have to hang on to is that although you may feel like no one cares, you may feel like there's no one else around, you may feel like there's no one else out there on the trail, that's just not true. In addition to the 250 or so uh, folks that finished the 100-miler, there was also a 100-kilometer race going on. That's 62 miles. So a lot of people out there for that. There were aid stations. I think there were five of them on the course. And these, if you haven't run a race like this, um, there are those pop-up tents with tables underneath. And there are people there who volunteer their time to make sure you have water if you need water or uh, different types of food they have there just to keep you going. And they do that all day and all night from the time it starts until the time it finishes. They're out there. You're going to come back around again and see them again. I had a crew, my family was there, we had friends that were there. Every 20 miles, I'd come right back to them and they'd make sure I had what I needed and take care of me. It is really important when you're in the dark to remember that you're not alone and that you're not the only person who's ever done this or who is doing it right now. That overwhelming aloneness is this idea that I'm the only one who knows what this is like. I've talked about this verse a lot in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, It's it's been so meaningful to me over the last year or so. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, uh, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, I like the language there. That's the King James. (laughs) It's Maybe that old English or older English. It's words we don't always use. But wherefore, that's verse number one of chapter 11, that wherefore, or chapter 12 rather, it's chapter 12 verse one, the wherefore is referring back to chapter 11. Chapter 11 is what we call the faith hall of fame and chapter 11 lists out so many heroes of the faith. People like Noah, who built an ark when it wasn't raining and they had never seen rain. Did it because God told them to and at God's word, he responded, that's faith. People like Abraham, who the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, uh, went to a place he didn't see, he didn't know. God told him to get up and start moving, and that's exactly what he did. That's faith. God said, and he did. Uh, We hear stories of the children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho because God told them to, so they did. And the walls of Jericho fell down, and they had a great victory by faith. Many, many, many other people listed in that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, that did incredible things in their life, incredible feats happened in their lives by faith. God said, and they did. At the end of chapter 11, uh, there's a, a phrase in there that says that there were others. <laughs> these others are all kind of lumped together. There's no name given to these others, but it talks about others who, because of their faith, were sawn asunder. They wandered in the wilderness, they were persecuted, they were rejected because they trusted in God all of that happens in chapter 11 and then you get to verse number one of chapter 12 and it begins with wherefore because of all of that because of what we just read seeing we are compassed that's surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses these aren't random people these are the people who have gone before us other people of faith Others who marched when it would be easier to stay where they were and die. People who kept going because God told them to. (laughs) He says, wherefore, because of those people seeing were surrounded, were compassed about, were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's how this verse starts. We'll look at a few other things in the verse. I've talked about it before, but. I love that the verse starts that way before it talks about getting rid of some things we need to get rid of and then talks about running a race because it reminds us that we're not alone. Listen, I don't know what you're going through, what you're dealing with, what thoughts are rolling around in your head right now. I don't know. But I do know what it's like to be in a dark place. Physically, I've told the story before about being in Iraq in the middle of the night and feeling so scared all at once. And having God's word speak truth to me. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you, I'll uphold you, I'll hold you in my right hand. I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to be in, in a place of, of darkness. Where you feel so alone. And I know what the Bible says about how God is ever-present. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. That's a truth we can hang on to, and I hope it's one that you hang on to. But I love that the Bible not only tells us that God doesn't leave us or forsake us, but it gives us examples of so many other men and women who've gone before us, that have blazed a trail, that have shown us the way. You're not alone. You need to remember that remembering that you're not alone you also need to remember there are people watching i had this thought a lot in the middle of the night mostly in the middle of the night until my voice is still recovering from (laughs) breathing in cold air for so long Um, several times in the middle of the night i thought man i can't quit even if i wanted to i can't i've got People who have volunteered their time to be out here to support me. My family's here. Uh, People texting me all day long. How's it going? We're praying for you. We're thinking about you. The people from home. uh, So many people who are watching. And I know a a race of that kind is is relatively insignificant in the grand scheme of eternity. But I do think that people need an excuse to attempt big things themselves, to try big things themselves, (laughs) to do things that are important, to march when it would be easier to stay where they are and die. And and often people look to us to see what we're going to do. What about your kids? What about your friends? What about the people that you work around? What about uh, those that you know who are also struggling, who need hope, and they may just find it in the fact that you keep marching, and so they're going to keep marching. You're not alone. People who have gone before you have set uh, the course, have blazed the trail, have shown you that it can be done. A lot of people are running the race at the same time you're running it, even though it may be a different race than you're running. Uh, Yours is personal. Theirs is personal. But you're on the same course, trying to accomplish the same thing. And you have so many people who are looking to you. You provide an example, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you want to believe it or not. You provide an example that real people can really follow. As I've said so often, this life thing, it's not about you. It's about being that example that people can follow. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it not only tells us about the cloud of witnesses, but it tells us that we then need to lay aside every weight and the sin which easily besets us. I was reminded of that. There are these uh, on this trail um, and this, this particular race is known for this. There are roots everywhere. The roots are at the top of the ground. You, you think roots would be, you know, in the ground. <laughs> it's a wet area. So uh, I don't know why they're so, I, I don't know. Someone could explain it to me, but they're on the surface of the trail. And so you're running over these roots and that's fine <clears throat> unless it's dark or you're tired and you drag your feet or don't see them. And, Man, it's like those roots jump up and grab you, and I tripped so many times. It was crazy. <laughs> I had the thought about that phrase in Hebrews 12 1. Uh, lay aside um, the weight, which easily besets you, uh, and that sin, uh, those things that are reaching up and grabbing you. What a good illustration of how so often there are those issues, situations, the stuff that we're involved in in our lives. I want to reach up and grab us. And if we're not diligent, if we're not focused, if we're not uh, keeping an eye out, that's exactly what's going to happen. When I was focused, when I was careful, those roots didn't get me. But when I thought I had it, (laughs) when I was going to just shuffle over the ground, it's going to be fine. That's when I found myself falling down because they got me. The end of... Chapter 12 and verse 1 says, you know, with the witnesses and laying aside the weight and the sin, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This was one of the biggest reminders to me this weekend. That the race that we're involved in, my life, the job that I have, the example that I need to be to others the calling that God has placed on my life the giftings that he's given to me and all those things are true for you as well it's unique to me It's the race that is set before you I'm not competing against anyone else one of the things I love about long trail races is you're not really competing against anyone else. I wasn't out there to win (laughs) in the sense of finishing first Uh, I was out there to finish as fast as I could, competing against myself, but but that's it. Do the best that I could do. I was not there to compete against other people, but when I forgot that, because they were getting done before me, they were moving faster than me, it seemed like they were doing better than me. They weren't feeling as bad as me. I could see all of that happen and think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I shouldn't be out here. Maybe I should just walk off. It's the race set before me. My job is not to worry about what other runners are doing. My job is to focus on being the very best that I can be. Now, the Bible does say run, and I appreciate that it does. I did some walking, truthfully, uh, during this race, Uh, but it says to run. That—that is the idea. It's not walk the race set before you. It's run the race. It's giving it everything you've got. Now you need to do it with patience. It's not a sprint but you need to exert some energy exert some uh, some time and some influence and some resource run the race set before you and if you're in an in an endurance race something that requires patience and something that's going to take a long time something that will be difficult something with a lot of obstacles a lot of reasons to quit You need to be focused on what you're doing and not focused on everything else that's happening around you. I was thankful to have run this race and um, honestly, very thankful to have finished. (laughs) Uh, Boy, there were a lot of moments where I just thought, I I may not make it. I might die out here. And and you're not, and, and you know that in your brain, probably in an attempt to keep you safe, to protect you. Allows you to believe things that aren't true. I was very grateful to finish, but so many lessons. I I don't know of a better real life opportunity to learn things about life than to run an endurance race, to be involved in an endurance event. But so many great lessons. And uh, man, when you're done, you just really appreciate what you're able to be a part of. And I think life is that way as well. I I think you go through the difficulties and you go through the trials. And in life, you're not signing up and putting down registration money so you can bring those on. But as you go through those, if you go through them well, trusting God, understanding it's not about you, living to be an example for others, if you go through those difficult times well, you keep marching when it would be easier to just stay where you are and die. I think you get get to the other side of that and you look back and again, you're not happy about everything and you hurt a little bit and uh, there are things you have to deal with, but you can look back and with a sense of peace and calm, know you did the very best that you could do. There's such a blessing in that. I'm thankful to have gone through this and So many lessons learned. You may hear me talk about it again. But when it comes to marching. When it would be easier to just stay where you are and die. Please understand. I understand. There's no easy way. There's no easy way. You just have to decide. That you're going to put one foot in front of the other in March. Hope that's helped to you and an encouragement to you. Uh, I I think it's funny we talk about encouragement after saying how hard things are and how we need to push through them, but 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 honestly, <clears throat> it's so encouraging even to be out on a trail and have people run up next to you and go, hey, you can do it, or good job, or you come around one of those loops and you see people who you don't know or just spectators. There's one spot where um, there's a mom and kind of a family, I assume one of their family members was running. But this little teeny girl, she probably wasn't older than three, I would imagine, um, and she was out there just clapping and so excited when a runner would come by, and it just made you happy. As as hard as things were, it was great to have somebody, even a little somebody, say you can do it, keep going, and then to have your family and have others do that. We can be encouraged even in the middle of the fight. You're not alone. There are a lot of people rooting for you, people who have gone before you and gotten through it. There's going to be some stuff trying to stop you, but if you stay focused, you can step over those roots. You need to run, exert some uh, energy, exert some influence, some time, some resource. Focus on your race. It's just yours. You're not competing with anyone else. And trust that God will get you to the place He wants you to be. What a wonderful, 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 truth be encouraged i uh, would hope that if you have not yet subscribed to the show you will do that take some time also go over to life audio lifeaudio.com check out so many other great podcasts there that will be a blessing and an encouragement to you and uh, do yourself a favor and do that and i will remind you one more time as we finish today Uh, when life becomes overwhelming, when when the night becomes very, very dark, and those things are absolutely true, you're running that race, you're doing the best you can, (laughs) when you get to the point that it would be easier to just quit, to stop, to stay where you are and die, you have a decision to make. And so much of life comes down to simply making a decision. No one can make it for you. But likewise, no one can take the power away from you to make it on your own. So when it would be easier to stay where you are and die, what are you going to do? I would encourage you, (laughs) just like I do every single week. Instead of staying where you are, make the better decision. Put one foot in front of the other and march. Thank you.
0: equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.